check one two one two one two uh yeah let's get it and now the number one most requested song on wqqr will you be going to the uh the pajama disco tonight what hit me Adventures in Black Cinema, your passport to black film. My name is Desmond Thorne. I will be your host and your film aficionado for the day like I am every day. And I just have to say, thank God for this fucking shift in weather. Y'all, the fact that we were dealing with such frigid, windy, cold, and wet weather in May has just been so increasingly frustrating. We are fighting for so many things in this world. I mean, we are fighting for people to have the right to do what they want with their bodies and concurrently trying to get this formula shortage dealt with which is just the most ironic thing. And at the same time, y'all, we're dealing with climate change, which is at an all-time high. Wow. It should not be so cold in May, but thank God we are dealing with normal, warmer weather because we need this for the vibes, y'all. We need this for our lives and our livelihoods and the cheeriness of the possibilities of, I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying right now, but you know, we need to escape that winter depression ASAP and the fact that we can now do so is just truly wonderful. And it is raising up the good vibes that are needed and Continuing to raise up the good vibes is the movie that we're going to talk about today on the podcast. Greetings from Los Angeles, California. This week's episode is called Adventures in Comedy and Commentary, and we will be getting into the nitty gritty of Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood. I fucking love this movie, so I'm so excited to get into it. But before we go into this wonderful parody, we are going to do a little trust and believe. So, Trust and Believe is a segment that I do on the podcast every once in a while. And this is where I am asking you to trust and believe me on a film recommendation, a black film recommendation that you may not have heard of, a film that is new, a film that's independent, international, something that's under the radar. And I put it over or on the radar for y'all. So this week, our Trust and Believe is a film called On the Count of Three. What? No. It's a song about suicide. You can't listen to music that exactly describes the emotional thing you're going through. You know how cheesy that is? Mm. I don't listen to Atlantis Morissette when I'm going through a breakup, and I'm not listening to Papa fucking Roach on the day I'm going to kill myself. I get that you've been in like a little bit of a slump lately, but suicide's not the answer to that. You stuck in some bullshit. Get a therapist or something. Stop standing in your own fucking way. I'd like to make a return. 
Really, nigga? This film was directed by comedian Gerard Carmichael. This is his feature film directorial debut. And this film was released last year-ish. You know, it premiered at Sundance last year, but it's been officially released very recently. And this film is about two lifelong best friends who make a suicide pact together. So this film does take place over the course of one day. And this film stars Gerard Carmichael and Christopher Abbott. Christopher Abbott, you may know from Girls. He played Marnie's boyfriend. And he's been in a bunch of shit. He was in this amazing, amazing independent body horror movie called Possessor. Yeah, if you Google Chris Abbott, you'll recognize him. He's in this movie called James White. He mostly does do independent film, but you'll recognize his face. And this film, even though I just said (laughs) is about two friends who make a suicide pact, it is a comedy. It is a dark comedy. I feel like it balances this dark humor and very heavy subject matter with a excellent and sharp sense of comedy, just very well written. You have great performances from Gerard and Chris Abbott. And you also have Tiffany Haddish in this film. And you have J.B. Smoove in this film. You also have Henry Winkler in this film. So it's a great movie for recognizable faces, but it's not like... These people are doing what they usually do, which is really fun. You get to see them do comedy with a little bit of a dramatic turn. And all the comedy is delivered in a very naturalistic way. So even though I said J.B. Smoove is in this movie, he's not doing his usual J.B. Smoove thing, which is cool to see. I feel like I've said this many times in the podcast that... Some of the best dramatic performances that you will see are from comedians because they come from a very honest place. They come from a place of this person is very used to being themselves. So they can give you a naturally comedic performance as well as the bigger things that they do. And, you know, I've loved the work that Gerard has been putting out. It's great to see a little reunion between him and Tiffany from his show, Carmichael Show, which I've said before is one of the best multi-cam sitcoms that we've seen in the past decade. It is so fucking funny, so well done. And I am excited to see what Gerard continues to do as a newly out gay comedian. I have not watched his special Rothaniel yet, but... I've heard really good things about it. And yeah, I'm excited to see what this brother does even more and more after seeing this movie. I was very, very impressed. I was very dialed in within the first five minutes or so. And this movie is now out in select theaters and it is available on VOD. So that means you can rent it on Apple, you can rent it on Amazon, you can rent it on... YouTube and just see what kind of hilarity, darkness and realness ensues when these two friends make this pact. And it is also worth noting that when this film was at Sundance, it did win a screenwriting award, which I think is very, very, very well deserved. The writing is very tight, very good. It's just a great movie. It's very much well worth watching. And it's Worth supporting Black independent film when it does get a distribution deal and when it is easily accessible. So check out On the Count of Three and let me know what y'all think. I think it's such a great balance of so many things. And after this little ad break, we will be getting into the nitty gritty of Don't Be a Menace. Stay tuned. Get into the nitty gritty of Don't Be a Menace. 
So don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood was released in 1996 and it was directed by Paris Barclay. And Paris Barclay, you may not recognize that name just from hearing it, but this man has directed so much TV Everywhere from Diagnosis Murder, The Clueless Show, NYPD Blues, City of Angels, ER, The West Wing, House, Lost, Weeds, Monk, Cold Case, CSI, NCIS, In Treatment, Sons of Anarchy, Glee, Scandal, Empire, How to Get Away with Murder, Station 19, and he is directing The Watcher, and also Monster, The Jeffrey Dahmer Story, which is coming out this year. Oh my God. And among all of those things too, he's also directed music videos for Kid and Play, LL Cool J, he directed the Mama Said Knock You Out video. also directed a Bob Dylan music video. So I mean, this man's filmography, TVography is on fire. He has won two Emmys, been nominated for so many Emmys. So this is someone who knows what the fuck they're doing and he knew what the fuck he was doing in terms of this movie for sure. So here's a little summary of the film if you haven't seen it or perhaps have never even heard of this movie before. This hilarious parody is a take on the slew of hood films that were released in the 90s, as well as commentary on the treatment of Black folks in society, as well as how we are perceived in the media. The film follows a young man named Ashtray, played by Sean Waynes, who is dropped off in the hood by his mom, played in a wonderful scene by Vivica A. Fox to live with his dad, played by Lamar Tate, who is, in fact, two years younger than him. <laughs> and Ashtray immediately yearns to get out of the hood, just as we see with so many of these hood films, that is the main motivation for the main characters. They want to get out of their circumstances. And we follow Ashtray on various adventures with his friend Loke Dog, played by Marlon Waynes, as he tries to find his way out of these circumstances. This is a huge cast, and this roster features Keenan Ivory Waynes in a fantastic role as the mailman who will come by after a very obvious monologue that is meant to say some sort of statistic or some sort of fact, and he says, message. It hurt me to wake up and see my beautiful Black people suffer victimized by the oppressive, harsh realities of the hood. I guess even though we were free, we were still slaves in the mind. Message! We have Vivica A. Fox, as I said, playing Ashtray's mom in an incredible scene. We have Bernie Mac in a scene as a cop. We have Kim Waynes in a book-ending, beginning-and-end scene of a mother crying for a son lost to gun violence in the hood. Kim Waynes, per usual, so, so fucking funny, as always. Yo, 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 this ain't your baby, this ain't your baby. Ain't that some shit? So fucking funny, as always, except in Pariah, which we talked about last season and where she plays a dramatic role. Again, a comedian just absolutely slaying in both arenas. Then we also have Helen Martin, who is absolutely incredible in this as Loke Dog's grandmother. Ah, oh, that's my nigga. You've been wearing them Jimmy hats like Grandma gave you. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> How are you? Oh, my old stinky ass is fine, except for my arthritis in my trigger finger. Mm. 
But I can still stick and move. So fucking funny. And she is great and funny in everything that I've seen her in, including a film that I would love to do one day called Cotton Comes to Harlem. We have Tracy Sherelle Jones playing the love interest in this film named Dashiki. And what I love that she does here is a great imitation of Janet Jackson as Justice in Poetic Justice. Then we have Omar Epps playing his role from Higher Learning. (laughs) Malik in here, which is so great. I'm also loving so far that we have so many different connections to films that we've talked about before on the podcast. I love coming to this film at this point in the podcast because we've talked about so many of these films and there's so many just incredible and pitch perfect references to these movies. Faison Love, who we always love to see, is in this movie. And we also have Paula J. Parker, who has been in so many of the movies that we talked about on the podcast, including a film that I just showed at Nighthawk, Friday. She is great in Friday. You ain't got to lie, Craig. You ain't got to lie. Oh, she's great in this, too. So let's move on to some fun facts. Fun fact number one, this film obviously has many, many connections to Menace to Society. You know, it's a large part of this film and it's a large part of the title of the film, of course. You know, and this one is super fun. The fact that Ashtray's father is played by Lamard Tate, whose brother, Lorenz Tate, played O-Dog in Menace to Society. Also, the Asian shopkeeper in that film also plays the Asian shopkeeper in this film. And Marlon and Sean are wearing the same costumes as the characters in the beginning of Menace to Society when they are in the Asian shop. Now, this scene in both movies kind of toes an interesting line. And it talks about very interesting subject matter that you really have to know about in order to know the line that it's playing with here exactly. Because what both of these scenes are talking about is this very much intended wedge between the Korean Americans and the African Americans in Los Angeles. Now, if you know about that history at that time, there was a young woman who was shot in a Korean shop, and this happened before OJ, and this happened before or around the time of Rodney King, and this woman who shot this young Black woman in the shop, which was caught on camera, was deemed not guilty by the jury. And this intended wedge comes from a history of a lot of housing and systemic racism that was meant to put Black and Korean people in the same neighborhoods and basically have them kind of go at a societal war with each other so that we would not unite and join forces against white people. So though these scenes can come off as being prejudiced toward Asian people, specifically Koreans. And in some ways they are in a little bit, especially this one. And I think even more, this is really pointing to that systemic racism that was put in through the cops, through housing, through society. So I think that that to me is a larger takeaway than trying to continue a conversation about the two groups being prejudiced against each other. I think when that conversation comes up, the real thing to do is ask why and investigate that and squash the source, which is always white people, white America. So fun fact number two, the college skinhead snipers list includes the names of actual characters from other films, such as Radio Rahim, Do the Right Thing, Ricky, Boys in the Hood, Kane from Menace to Society, and Malik from Higher Learning, which is the scene that they are parroting specifically here by having him shoot 
Omar Epps the day he gets to college playing his same character, Malik. Then fun fact number three, Keenan Ivory Wayne's role in this film is also a parody of John Singleton playing a mailman and boys in the hood. See now, they're really going after John Singleton in this movie. They parody a number of his films, Boys in the Hood, Poetic Justice, and Higher Learning. So they are really, really going after his ass in the movie. And the cherry on top of that being that they're kind of quite literally making fun of him by having Keenan Ivory Waynes play this role. <laughs> Message. So let's get into these themes of comedy and commentary. So like I was saying, the visual humor in this movie is absolutely astounding, astounding. And we get it from the very beginning, right? Um, We get it from the literal fact that the font of the name of the film and of the opening credits is a play on the Boys in the Hood font. We also get this from the very opening shot of showing life in the hood, this kind of like cool choreography of life. It's just so perfectly set up with people crisscrossing, walking on their bikes, this guy talking to camera and then getting immediately shot with Kim Waynes coming out and crying over this boy's body. And the fact that's not even her son is just so funny. And what I mean by visual humor is that there's a difference between jokes that are on the page, which is, I guess I would call dialogue humor, script jokes, And then visual humor is something that's happening in terms of props, production design, choreography for camera, camera. It really brings the comedy to being an actual film because films are things that we watch. They're not things that we read. And though lines can be funny, and there are a ton of funny lines in this movie that are pointing toward the things that they're parodying, the visual humor, I think, is what really makes this movie special. The fact that there are so many things that you can look at and laugh at, so many Easter eggs, so much visual candy, as I call it, is just absolutely brilliant. And I mean, this continues on and on and on, right? When Vivica A. Fox is dropping Ashtray off in the hood, (laughs) there are all these leaves coming around around the car. And that's funny because it's pointing toward this sentimentality, this fake sentimentality that are present in these scenes. And the fact that there are all these leaves falling in Los Angeles because that's just not something that happens. It just adds so much texture and meaning to these scenes. It's like a sense of double humor because when Vivica says that there are no positive black females in these movies, that's funny because it's true. And also all this visual stuff that's going on just heightens the situation. There's so much great heightening in this movie as well. And heightening in comedy is what keeps a joke going. There are jokes that can just be one and done, in and out, which are fine, which are great. You know, there's definitely a place for those. But when you are able to heighten a joke, to keep it going, to keep finding what else is funny, how can we make this funnier? How can we grow this? How can we keep going with this? That is true skill. And that is why it can be important to have a team working on a comedy because you're just pitching on top of pitches on top of pitches and just continuing to find different ways to say, okay, what else? Okay, what else? Okay, what else? You know, I think this continues when we are in Ashtray's father's house. First of all, visual joke that Ashtray's father is played by Lamar Tate, who is way shorter Then Sean Waynes, who is said two years younger, he offers his son candy, (laughs) which is so funny. I love the line of, you got big, man, talking to his father. That is so fucking funny. And there's something funny about 
the plastic that is all over the furniture in this little man's house. And that is, again, heightened by the fact that it's not just on the furniture and on the places that you would typically see it. It's also on the weights, on the benches, on the oven. It is, it's just genius. It is absolutely genius. And then when we're talking about production design, when we go over to Loke Dog's house, first of all, you have this trope of the mom just being absolutely wild, which is a perfect example and heighten of Vivica A. Fox's line of, So will I see you again? Sorry, baby. You know there ain't no positive black females in these movies. Loke Dog's mom is just insane, hitting on ashtray and drinking a 40. And in the production design, She's not only drinking a 40, that's all that there is in the fridge. There is a water cooler that is a St. Ives 40 upside down. So fucking funny. There's so much weed all over their house. Instead of having normal planters for plants, there are planters made out of 40 bottles (laughs) that have weed plants in them. It's just so so smart so that you are constantly laughing at this movie at all times and you're not just relying on the lines to do so. Even when we go into Loke Dog's room, when we meet him, first of all, Marlon's hair is ridiculous. All these things hanging off of his hair and the way that it's styled and that changes and that heightens as the movie goes on. I love that there is all of these guns in his closet and there's a picture of Malcolm X with a gun in the center. Just so, so, so funny. And then when we go on to this party that Loke Dog, Ashtray, and their Hotep friend Preach go to, there is a villain character who has just come from prison. So he does things like he still is in prison. And I love when they cut back and forth to the things that he's doing because he still has not adjusted to life outside of prison. He is shanking his chicken. He is bartering for cigarettes. He is looking for someone who's behind him and around him with a mirror. And he's also talking about himself being fucked in prison too. And I will say something about the quote unquote homophobia that is in this movie. I appreciate that most of the time it's not actual just like straight up homophobia as you will see in a lot of movies, comedies, dramas in this time period. It's pointing that out. It's making fun of the fact that it is in those movies. Like when we get to the character of the crackhead, who is a parody of the character of the crackhead in Menace to Society, the whole I'll suck your dick thing, when it happens to Sean, he's just like, no, 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 that's disgusting, blah, whatever. And then when we get to him asking Marlon to do it, Marlon's like, basically, okay, sure, you know, whatever. Man, can you look me with directions to Grinshaw, man? Boy, you better get your crusty behind away from me. Man, I'll fuck your dick, man. What you say to me? I'll fuck your dick, man. Ah, man. All right, so what you want to do, my man? Go to the corner. Go about three blocks down and make a right, and you'll be right there on Check I love that. I love that it's saying we're pointing out the homophobia that's in those other movies, but we don't necessarily have to go that route. You know, what if someone had just said yes and did not shoot this man? It's really wonderful uh, and honestly quite ahead of its time in that very specific way. There's also some really great heightening within moments of the film in terms of the gun off (laughs) versus the praise off. 
in the church. So there's a scene where this is after Loke Dog and Ashtray are in the Asian supermarket, which includes its own great heighten of hurry up and buy, which is what the woman says. And she is following them around in different places. She's even in the ice cream freezer at some point. Hurry up and buy. And at the same time as she is following the brothers in the store, there is this white man, this rich financial white man who is actually stealing things from the store and is actually the one who ends up shooting up the store, not Ashtray and Loke Dog. So after this scene, there is a gun off between Loke Dog and the dude from prison and his friends because of course, Ashtray is interested in Dashiki, who is the neighborhood harlot, I guess I would put it. She has had sex with a lot of guys and has a lot of kids. Another trope of these hood movies. Again, poetic justice. So there is this scene where the dudes from the dude from prison and his friends have their set of guns and Loke Dog keeps one upping them by the guns and the ammo that he has, eventually revealing an entire missile that he has in the back of his postal service truck. So there's that scene, the gun off that keeps heightening in the scene. And then that scene is also heightened by Loke Dog's grandmother in church catching the Holy Ghost and trying to catch the Holy Ghost even more so than another woman who is at the church. And there's essentially a dance-off, praise-off, that is, follows the similar formula as the gun-off, but heightens it by the fact that there are these old women dancing and break dancing and having a praise off in this church. I mean, it is so smart and continues to say so much about the black community at large. And I have to say about Helen Martin's performance, again, circling back to her performance as Loke Dog's grandmother, a funny performance and is made funnier by the fact that this performance isn't cute. You know, she really goes for it. She truly commits. She is part of the neighborhood. Everyone knows her as being part of the neighborhood. There's a part where she is driving in a low rider and just gets so much respect. She's not playing it as a wink to the camera. She's just fully committing to this character and who she is, smoking a huge joint, just giving us everything. Big ups to Helen Martin. May she rest in peace. Honestly, a comedic genius. And when we're talking about the commentary that is present in this movie, that church scene is such a great example on many fronts because not only are we getting commentary on the religious devotion of Black folks to the church, which again has a lot of history, a lot of systemic history involved in that. It goes very, very deep. And there's also an aspect of it with the pastor. So the pastor is preaching, also taking phone calls. There is an element of violence present with the preacher. And these are all very real things. Also an element of this preacher just wanting money. These are all real things. This is a heightened on real life, but it's not too crazy. I mean... Thinking back to when I was a wee thing and, you know, went to church and everything, there was always those elements present in general. I wouldn't say that my church was a money-grubbing church, but they exist. They are very prevalent in our community. You know, going after a community that at large 
is that financial risk again because of systemic issues, etc. And going after their money in a way that doesn't necessarily feel right to me. Where's all that money going at all times is always a question that I have. And also at these big church conventions, there was always so much security. These niggas had guns on them, like ready for some violence to pop off at these things. And it wasn't like they were preparing for outside violence per se. They were preparing for like preacher on preacher, religious type violence. It's really crazy when you think about it. The juxtaposition of those things and how not really far-fetched that is in this movie. And also this aspect of sex in the church and regarding reverends. I mean, the rumors that occurred in my church with people having affairs and doing a bunch of shit that they weren't supposed to do and so many rumors about different reverends and all the kids and stuff they have, like, it's accurate. It's definitely accurate. Also, when we're talking about the commentary that this film has for Black society at large is also a comment on some of these films in that these films are always making it seem like these people are in the worst situations. And in many ways, they are. The situations that are in these areas of Los Angeles can and have been and still are not the best. And again, that is societal, that is very intentional based on this system, systemic racism and society. And I think also there is an element that is present in movies like Friday in some ways, and in this movie kind of talking about like, but there are still people living and having a time and just moving forward because they have to. And also that not everything is fucking bad 24-7, but that is what white people would like to believe in order to have some kind of pity on black people in our situations. When they're the ones that put us there, it's really fucked up. It's like pity, it's patronizing, and it's also like, look what we did to y'all. I hope y'all stay there kind of energy. And that's also present in a couple of moments that we have here where they are hiring black people to be crash test dummies. <laughs> There's a part where Loke Dog has a job and it is a job as a crash test dummy. And this is pointing out the number of things that society, white society does to quite literally and intentionally harm the bodies of Black people. And I do like that this is played for laughs because again, there are certain things that happen to us that are very traumatic. And in order for us to kind of have a conversation about them, sometimes they need to be shown in a way that isn't necessarily on the nose, but that does bring some comedy and some levity to it because that brings space to it, right? It makes you really think and consider things rather than just seeing them so dead on right in front of you, just showing you the obvious, showing you a different way of thinking and looking at it can really be more beneficial at the end of the day. And there's also this wonderful comment that they have on the fact that a lot of emergency rooms in Black neighborhoods can be overrun and understaffed. This is when one of their friends gets shot and injured and they're walking into the hospital. The hospital looks fine. But then when they get to the emergency room, there's like thousands of niggas in there. There's one dude who's in the elevator who's on fire, or who's in the waiting room who's on fire. It's another great, funny way of showing how difficult things can be that makes you think about it on a deeper level, honestly. This is something that, of course, I know as a fact, but seeing it in this way honestly made it 
definitely more resonant for me and funny while being poignant. Because the thing about humor, just like anything else, it has to be truthful. It has to come from a place of realness. And of course, there is commentary on the cops in this movie. First of all, Bernie Mac is fucking hilarious as the cop in this movie. R.I.P. Someone who can make us laugh with a single scene, a single moment. And of course, when they are in the precinct, when uh, Loke Dog and Ashtray get locked up briefly, the cops are playing an arcade video game of Rodney King, which is just like facts. Like the fact that cops have always loved battering black bodies in any way possible. And again, seeing it on a video game just brings the realness and the truth closer to home, you know? You have to laugh sometimes in order to keep from crying. And sometimes you can, in fact, do both. And going back real quick to a couple of moments before we get to the last point here, the fact that Helen Martin pays homage to another Lorenz Tate movie by wearing the makeup for Dead Presidents, which I love. We also have a lot of commentary here on these sex scenes in Black films, which can sometimes honestly be OD, be like super gross. Like there is definitely making fun of the hairy ass in Jason's lyric. There are scenes sometimes in Black films where there's sex where it's just so, so OD. So they make fun of that by the licking of the toes and all the different condiments and shit and all that nasty shit. And I think it's also interesting that the Waynes brothers did eventually get hype to Regina Hall And as great as the actor is who plays Dashiki in this movie, Regina Hall would have been an excellent, excellent Dashiki. So last point here is, as I was saying, comedy is really important in the Black community. In the last episode with Amanda, when we were talking about coming to America... There's just been a real lack of comedies that are straight up comedies that aren't necessarily mixed with another genre, though those are definitely appreciated in terms of, again, kind of waking people up to things, kind of letting things soak over people in a different way rather than just showing it to them straight. I think... Comedy is a very powerful tool for us to educate each other, for us to kind of remember that we have each other's backs in these situations, to remember what the fuck is going on, and be able to have the time to reflect in a way that isn't always just straight up reflecting on the trauma. We are so fucking funny as a community. And the fact that we are still able to laugh and have joy through all of the shit that this country and this world has put us through is really important. And we can't lose sight of that. We must keep talking about the things that have happened to us. We must keep talking about racism in society in different ways that it continues to pervade and show itself and rear its ugly head. And we also need to take time to laugh, relax, and celebrate our fucking resilience because we have been through so much, y'all. We've been through so much. And still at the end of the day, to be able to have the reactions that we do, the comebacks that we do, and to make funny, hysterical, classic 
smart movies like this that are providing comedy and commentary is just absolutely beautiful. So in conclusion, this movie is honestly close to perfect, I really have to say. And now it totally does require you to have seen the movies that it's parodying in order to fully understand and appreciate the brilliance here and the details and the minutia that are peppered throughout this film. The Waynes family are so fucking funny and talented, and I wish that they had continued to churn out the brilliant work that they displayed in movies like this one, Scary Movie, and White Chicks. It's hard for a movie like this to be well-received critically because there's no way most white critics truly understand what these films are going for, what this specific film is going for. And also in a way, this movie is making fun of them and their taste and how it leans because it leans a lot toward the movies that they're parodying. It is a very important thing to be able to appreciate these hood films and what they offer and to be able to have a conversation about what the frequency of them implies and to have some fun around that message. <laughs> so please check out Don't Be a Menace. It is now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. So after this little ad break, stay tuned for this week's You Better Act Award. It's a good one. So welcome, welcome, welcome to this week's You Better Act Award. This is an award that I give out every single episode of the show to give love and praise to an amazing performance or performances in film, television, sometimes theater. And we are showing love to some Black folks who are just acting, acting, acting. So this week's You Better Act Award goes to, drumroll please. Zach Cherry and Tramel Tillman in Severance. So Severance is a brilliant sci-fi show on Apple TV Plus about the workplace. And that's pretty much all I will say about the show in general at this point, because I don't want to really spoil anything for you. So Zach Cherry, if you Google him, you will recognize him. This man has been doing incredible guest work on television, incredible small roles in films. He comes from the New York comedy improv scene. I'm so proud of this young brother's rise to this place. He is one of the four employees on the severed floor of Lumen, along with Adam Scott, Britt Lauer, and John Turturro and Patricia Arquette plays the boss. So he is with some true A-listers here and he is just so great. His sense of comedy is always amazing. He has this very deadpan, truthful sense of comedy that I've always gravitated toward. He is such a great camera actor and he absolutely delivers in this show. He is brilliant. He not only gets to show his comedic chops here, but he also gets to show some great dramatic chops near the end of the season. I don't think I've ever seen that from him before, and it's truly astonishing to watch. Now, Tramel Tillman plays the second in hand, uh, the second foil, I guess, to Patricia Arquette's character, who is the boss of this severed floor at Lumen Industries, and he, is brilliant. As Mr. Milchuk, the supervisor of the floor, he is really scary and very charming at the same time. Whenever he walks into the room, you're just like, oh my God, what the fuck is about to happen? Like, his presence is just so powerful 
and so looming. He's also fine as fuck. Oh my God, he's really sexy. And he does so much with looks, glances, simple lines. He is just absolutely brilliant. And again, I don't want to say too much about the show because I think you should check it out. But these two brothers are just tearing it up. And I also love that there's a couple of other Black characters in this show on the outside world of this office that are also very, very brilliant. Um, there is a scientist who used to work for the group by Karen Aldridge. She's really wonderful. And then we also have Nikki James as Alexa, who is the main character's sister's midwife, and they end up dating for a little bit. It's just really great. It is absolutely stellar. I've really, really enjoyed watching the first season of this show. And I can't wait to see more of it, honestly. I think it has a lot of promise. And, oh, I almost forgot. There's another Black character named Natalie, played by Sydney Cole Alexander, who is the PR representative for Lumen. It's, again, just really great, really smart. It says a lot of things about the workplace. And if you want to hear more an extended version of this You Better Act Award, head on over to the Smart, Funny, and Black Patreon for even more. So in closing for this episode, some food for thought, as a Black person, what is a message that you have for our community? Comment and follow on our Instagram at Adventures in Black Cinema. Follow and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a rating. Thank you so much per usual to the team. We have Matt Mozzarella on audio. We have Cindy Edward, our production assistant. And we also have, of course, the one and only Miss Amanda Seals, our executive producer. Our next Adventures in Black Cinema screening will be set it off on 35mm film on Wednesday, June 8th at Nighthawk Cinema Prospect Park. Tickets are available on nighthawkcinema.com. That is N-I-T-E, hawkcinema.com. And next time on the podcast, we will be getting into the nitty gritty of the queer black classic, The Watermelon Woman. This is in fact the very first feature film that was released in theaters, written and directed by a black lesbian. It is a fantastic movie. Cheryl Dunye, who has also directed many episodes or at least a couple episodes or maybe just one of Lovecraft Country, directed this movie. And I'm so excited to get into the nitty gritty of that. So until then, stay safe, stay black and stay blessed. Bye y'all. Oh, it's over. Great.